This is an Equity Beats Media podcast. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equity Mates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own time. Now you can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. Welcome to Get Started Investing. In this podcast, we cover all the basics that you need to start your investing journey. Are you joining us for the very first time? Is this the very start of your investing journey? Well, before you dive into this episode with us, our feed is designed to go from the very beginning. So we strongly recommend that you scroll up and start at episode one. However, if you're feeling brave and just want to dive in, don't let us stop you. Here at GSI, we unpack all the jargon and confusing bits. We hear your investing stories with the goal of making investing less intimidating. And of course, we have a good time along the way. My name is Bryce. And as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going? I'm very good, Bryce. Great to be with you again. I always love your intro where you only introduce yourself about eight sentences in. <laughs> it's very tight. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, look, uh, 2022, I think might be the year of the new JSI intro. Wow. Um, my goal is to be able to memorize it, which I've done obviously at Equity Mates. This one still need a few notes in front of me yeah, to, to get yeah, it out, yeah. which- well, they say, they say don't make New Year's resolutions because like there's all this build up and then like you have the day and then it's like um, you generally fail. Just if you want to change something, just change it. Oh, no, it's a general, it's a general so 2022. Just do it now. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll work on it. I'll work on it. But look, we are here, Ren, for the second installment of our three-part series on building a thesis. This is continuing on with our masterclasses of uh, back to basics, investing, fundamentals, and uh, a thesis is incredibly important. But before we crack in, Ren, just a quick reminder to everyone, we do have our Get Started Investing book available uh, for anyone to buy leading into Christmas or if you know anyone in your, in your family or group of friends who are looking to get started, um, make sure they go and check out our Get Started Investing mm. book. covers a lot of stuff that we do talk about on the show plus a lot, lot more. We actually specifically asked our designers uh, to make it look great wrapped under a tree. <laughs> so uh, it is a great uh, Christmas present, if only for the look and the feel uh, in the lead up to Christmas. That's but it. That's that's really what you want in a Christmas book. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry about what's inside look and it. Feel, yeah. You want people to really Content feel that anticipation matter. leading up to the big day. <laughs> but look, uh, this is episode two of our Building a Thesis chapter. And in your extremely long intro, you say, you know, we want to make investing feel less intimidating. Mm. And I think this chapter of all the chapters is where that intimidation is really quite high when we're talking about building a thesis. And hopefully over this episode, the next one and the previous one, we can make it a little bit less intimidating. The real focus for us in this episode and this chapter is to just keep it simple. Keep it simple. So if I go down a rabbit hole... Pull me out. Yes, keep it simple. Drag me out by the scruff of my neck. Easy. I'm (laughs) more than happy to do that. So if you have joined us for the first time today, firstly, thank you very much and welcome to the Get Started Investing community. We're stoked that you are looking to start your journey. In the first uh, episode or the one previous to this, we discussed what a thesis is, why you need one, and uh, had a couple of examples of what a thesis looks like and sounds like. 
And today we're going to talk about how to track uh, your thesis, how often you should revisit it, very important, and then uh, how to understand when your thesis is broken, as well as closing out with a bit of a game around uh, around that topic. You know, we'll discuss some thesis statements and determine whether they're broken or not. Sure. Uh, so a thesis in a nutshell is why you think this is a, a good investment. Yes. Uh, why you think you're going to take the money that you've worked so hard to earn and put it in a particular thing as opposed to all other things out there. Yeah. Why is that the choice? Yeah. Where we want to start this episode is how you track it because it's all good and well having a thesis and I think, you know, we've all fallen into that trap of at the time being like, I have a very clear idea of why I want to buy this ETF or why I like this fund manager or why I want to buy this stock and then two minutes later you forget. Two well, minutes, well, 30 seconds. <laughs> probably, <laughs> While you're buying it, you're like, why am I doing yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two months later you're like, I kind of remember that name. There was, I kind of remember there was like a moment of inspiration and I was like, I've got to buy this and I've got to buy it now. Yeah. But for the life of me, I can't remember what that was. Yeah. You might hear an expert talk about a stock. So you write the stock name down and then three weeks later when you're reviewing your notes and you're like, oh yeah, I remember they said something good about that stock, but yeah. couldn't tell you what it was. Yeah. Just going to buy it. Well, the great thing is these days, if you hear, heard an expert speak about it three weeks ago, most content is on demand. So you oh, could, live, you live, could, listening to them live. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of uh, <laughs> lot of fund manager live talks over the last 18 months, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, I hear them in the shopping centre walking past. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, why, that's why Bryce got a job at Woolies, so he could eavesdrop on shoppers' conversations. Fund managers in shopping. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. That's why you got a, a job at Double Bay Woolies. <laughs> But anyway, Ren, how to track it. Firstly, what is tracking it? Why do we need to track it? How do we track so it? So I think the main thing is there's a record of it and like how you do that is completely up to you. There's no right answer. Most people will go with the write it down option, but hey, if you want to create a private podcast feed that voice only memo. you have access to, if you want to do voice memos on your phone, if you want to start a YouTube channel and record your thesis, like there is no- That could, that could be good content. Could be good content. Yeah. Yeah. There's no right or wrong way to do it. The main thing is that it's written down, it's clear so you can refer back to it and that you, you consistently are adding to it as you're investing. As we spoke about, it doesn't have to be massive, doesn't have to be long, doesn't have to be confusing or overwhelming. Uh, the main thing is you just stick to a process and it, it, it will change over time, I'm sure. Like my the way that I've approached it, the way that you've approached it, what we write down, what we include in it have all ch- has changed over time. I mean, I'll be honest, I originally never wrote anything down mm. would never do a thesis and uh that's why we've done this podcast to learn what's good at etiquette when it comes to investing and yeah well i didn't used to do it because i was intimidated by the idea of it like if you see investment theses from expert investors or from fund managers or you see those broker reports that come out it is dense and mm. it is deep and it is complex and it's so off-putting to think like, is that the level of detail yeah. I need to go into to do it? Yeah. You see funds or people with, um, you know, like 100-page PDFs of their investment thesis or like 100-slide packs explaining their thesis and you're like, is this what I have to do every time I want to invest? Yeah. The good news is you don't. No. The good news is that a thesis is, it's a piece of string. Like it's however long you need it to be is up to you. And for me... And this is just my view, and I'm sure there's professionals out there that disagree, but I think that experts hide behind length. 
Oh, yeah, they'll try and make it as long and as jargon-filled as possible yeah. to try and potentially cloud a very ill-formed thesis. To try and fool <laughs> themselves and other people that it's, uh, a good that it's a good investment. Yeah. If your investment thesis is bigger than the company's business plan, <laughs> you've, you're doing too much. Yeah, true. <laughs> for true. me, and so I think the thing for me was realising that a thesis could just be a sentence, could just be a paragraph. And then I had an A5 notebook. A5, uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mate, didn't have enough content for A4. <laughs> A3, oil paintings. Yeah. <laughs> um, a5, A5 notebook and I had a page and, you know, every investment I would flick a page and write a couple of paragraphs and really all you're trying to capture is why it's going to be a good investment. If it's if it's like an ASX 200 ETF and you're just buying the 200 biggest Australian stocks, it's really going to be a sentence. It's going to be, you know, the Australian economy will continue growing, these companies will grow with the economy and I'm choosing this particular ETF that tracks it because it's got – low fees or I like the ETF provider or whatever. Like anything more than that is just noise. Mm. And for a company as well, it's like you can do 30 slides on industry overview and company management's uh, work history and include LinkedIn links and their CVs and all that stuff. But like at its core, all you want to do is just nail the insight. Afterpay is taking customers away from credit cards. It's the best offering in the buy now, pay later space and it will continue growing market share from other buy now, pay later competitors as the overall market grows. Like that in itself is enough Mm. if you believe that's all true. And obviously a lot of work goes into, you know, proving those things to yourself. But like that's a thesis. Yeah. I think there's real power in writing it down or recording it, just like there is in, you know, writing general life goals or whatever it may be. Do you write your life goals down? I've written, yeah, life goals. Not life goals, but like you write down like, like business goals. Get married, or <laughs> buy a house. Yeah, yeah, that's all in there somewhere. I can't remember. But, um, you know, I think there's like proven psychological impact in writing these things down because A, it makes you commit to, I mean, if you're talking goals or whatever, you're more likely to commit and follow it through. But if you're writing things down and you're writing something about a company and you're like, this is actually just, jargon and rubbish, then yeah, you're less yeah, likely yeah. to make that buying decision. Or yeah. if someone's told you a stock pick and you go, all right, well, I'm going to try and write something down here as to why I should be buying it and you can't do it, then point proven. Mm. So how, how do you do it? So as I said, I had that A5 journal. Uh, I moved to a Google Doc just because I'm a faster typer than I am a writer. Yes. But when I had the journal, I was it was like really, I was trying like really neat handwriting and I was like, <laughs> I'll, I'll, like I'll like going back to this and looking at it. But now I'm doing speed over design. Yeah, yeah, look. <laughs> um, Is it just in chronological so, order of buying? Yeah, yeah. Well, reverse chronological, I just... Yeah, yeah, as you buy. Enter a few times and uh, start from the top of the page. So it's not sector-based or anything like that? Yeah, and for me, it will never be more than a page. It will rarely be a page. For me, it's just like, what are the key reasons I'm buying it and that I can go back and review and be like, oh, I was completely wrong about this. I should get out of it. The attitude I take is like, try not to think as an investor and get bogged down in like, different financial ratios and metrics and stuff. And it's like, think like a business person. Like, you know, we're trying to grow equity mates here. Before that, we both worked at big corporates. And it's like, how how would I approach this business? Like if I was running the business and why do I think they're going to do better than just putting it in an ASX 200 ETF? Nice. What about you? 
I'm similar. Mine's digital. Uh, I just do it through Apple Notes though. Always got it open, always accessed on my phone. Because what I often do as well is include a bunch of uh, links or, you know, various bits and pieces after the statement that I've made. Often that'll form part of my research or part of my, you know, reasoning as to why I want to buy it. And I like to just include those in the process as well so that I can refer back and go, well, geez, that was a sensationalist headline at the time, wasn't it? Kind of misread that one or like, yeah. So just, um, uh, yeah, and keep a track of the resources that I'm using at the time as well. So, um, and it is saved to the cloud as well, which helps when you wipe your computer. (laughs) (laughs) If I was to put it onto an A4 page, I'd say it's generally about half a page. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Half a page, 24 size font. Oh, more, 56. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Full stop. And so I, I think, you know, we, we've spoken about how brief it can be and like what you're really trying to get to. Like, why is this going to be a good investment? I know in our Facebook group, a number of people were asking about valuation. Mm. We've, we've earmarked that for the next episode. So put a pin in that. Um, but we will come to that because it's important to, you know, if you say that this stock is going to outperform, but everyone in the market agrees with you and that's the stock price that it is today reflects that. Um, you've got to be aware of that. So we'll get into that in the next one. But I think, yeah, in, in a general term, it's make sure you're tracking it in some way. Make sure you're writing down why you're buying it and giving yourself enough, giving your future self enough information to go back and review if you were right or not. Yeah. All right. So we've written it down. It's locked away and we bought the stock. Yep. Building a portfolio. How often should I be revisiting or re-evaluating what I've written down and how do I know when that it's the time to do so. Great question. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I, I guess to start with, it depends on the thesis. So if the thesis is in the next week, mm. Apple stock will shoot up because they're going to announce they've released an electric vehicle to take on Tesla. Yeah. Like that is a very short-term thesis and so you, sh- you need to check it within that week and at the end of the week because that's your thesis says a week. If, on the other hand, you say over the next 10 years, Microsoft will continue to be the dominant office-based software provider (laughs) and will use all the money they make from Microsoft Office to invest in a whole bunch of new and exciting ventures that will grow additional revenue streams, then that's a longer-term thesis and you can check it periodically. And, you know, when you're checking in periodically, you're saying – is Microsoft Office still dominant or mm. has Apple numbers disrupted Excel? It won't. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, like you can do that every month or every quarter, every half year, whatever you're comfortable with. So I think where we start is it depends on the thesis, but then I guess we can get a little bit more specific and talk about how we approach it. From the experts, I've learned a couple of things and we've got it down here. Price is important. So a lot of experts will put a price target on an investment. They go in, it's trading at 350, we expect it to hit 380. Once it gets to the 380 mark, that's a good, usually when they'll then reevaluate their thesis, they'll do their discount cash flow again or whatever it may be and decide whether or not their thesis still holds. So price is a trigger. Do you put a price target on your thesis? Never. (laughs) (laughs) Never. I don't see the point in doing it. Like I often see, and I guess this is just the difference between how fund managers kind of have to run and private investors, but you'll often see analysts put price targets on companies and the company will smash through that price target. So then they'll just reevaluate the price target and make it even higher. And it's like, why didn't you just make it at the higher point to begin with? (laughs) I guess they would respond they have more information. But do they? 
I don't think so. Like yeah. there's often there's it's just I think it's that they just don't want to put their neck really on the line and say after pays at three fifty we think it's gonna be a hundred and fifty. Except if you're Kathy Wood. Except if you're Kathy yeah. Wood, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I think as well that at its core, like what you're trying to do is find quality businesses that have like great products or services or great management or whatever it is. And that is something that you expect to continue to be quality over a long period of time and saying the the stock should be priced at $3.80 today and it's three fifty, so it's cheap. Like, sure, a lot of professional investors, a lot of analysts spend a lot of time doing that. But what I want to find is the business that is quality at three fifty, continues to be quality at three eighty, mm. continues to be quality at five. And so for me, like the price target isn't the important thing. Yeah. The, the underlying business is the important thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've both made it pretty clear that we check our portfolios in detail quarterly, thereabouts. Yeah. And we're not looking at portfolios daily. We're not looking weekly. Let it sizzle. Do you align that with your thesis revision? Yeah, sometimes I'll uh, do that. I, I should probably be more disciplined about that. Uh, but yeah, I for me, it's more like when I do that, I'll look at a particular company and be like, why did I buy that again? Um, and then I'll... Flick over to the Google Doc and be like, oh, that's right. Okay, that makes sense. Or, geez, that was a mistake. Have you ever revised a thesis and sold on the back of it? Like, have I ever opened the Google Doc and seen, like, whoa, whoa, I was wrong about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, I mean, like, let me give you an example. And the company's name escapes me, but it was a company years ago that sold, like, flight training software to, like, air traffic control uh, tower operators and the, the military and they had big contracts with, like, the US Defence Department and stuff like that. And everything I was reading, all the research I was doing, everything the company was saying, they were just talking about how often they were winning contracts and how they were taking these, like, flight training contracts off other players in the space. And so, like, my thesis was all centred around these guys have the best product. They're winning more and more contracts. They're taking market share. These contracts are long-term and once you're embedded, it's pretty hard to like change flight simulators and air traffic control simulators, all that stuff. So I was like, you know, if they've got the best product, if they can take market share and they can, these contracts can be pretty sticky, like that's the makings of a good business. Turns out when I reviewed it, I, probably like a year later, they lost a whole bunch of contracts and turns out they didn't actually have the best software. So like at its core, I was fundamentally wrong about in a piece of my analysis and so I sold. At nice, a loss. nice. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but it's better to do that and recognise that than hold on forgetting why you bought it and continue to suffer loss. Yeah. Like you may as well cut it now and your thesis has changed, move on. I think the key piece there is that like the the insight into why you buy is going to be the same if you do an 100 page slide deck or a half page mm. google doc mm. it's that they have better software that they can take market share and that that it's sticky and if i had done 30 page preamble on like what is flight training software and who are the management of the company and where did they work before and all all of that stuff like sure it would have colored the analysis it would have given me more information but at its core, like the insight, the reason that I was buying would have been the same and it was wrong. Yeah. And 99 slides giving colour to that wouldn't change the fact that I was wrong about that K assumption. Yeah. It might have helped me realise I was wrong about that K assumption, but I was still wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I had an, I've had an interesting one. I actually sold 
a stock that I'd made money on because I thought the thesis was just completely wrong. Really? Uh, Self-Wealth, the broker. Curious. Yeah. So when they they listed back in uh, 2017, I jumped on board 2019, I think, because at the time I was using them, we didn't have um, some of the big competitors in the space that we do now that are offering much cheaper brokerage. They were offering a pretty compelling brokerage relative to, you know, the – uh, Comsex and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, they seemed to be the up and coming hip platform that a lot, you know, that next generation of retail investors were using. And so I thought, you know, these are the guys that are going to take market share, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and have subsequently now recognized and realized that I, well, I don't believe that they're going to be, and no offense to self wealth, but I don't think they're going to be the winners in this space. And so what's the point in being invested in a company that is not going to be the leader in my in my opinion anyway people might want to you know but not be not be the leader in that space so um did make a bit of money on it but got out nice i think that is a great example of how it's not about whether the stock's gone up or down you can make money on and be completely wrong but that doesn't mean you should just keep holding on because mm. obviously this is all future predicting and self-wealth might win this battle but if you no longer believe that self-wealth will win this battle for Australian retail investors and, you know, the online brokerage wars, then sure, you might have made money, but like, are you going to keep making money? Yeah. Well, no, their share price is now down 50% from their highs. Oh, really? So, yeah. Wow. They're starting to really, yeah. The thesis for why I sold is, I think, starting to play out in the share price. So you were right again. Or no, you are wrong the no, first time. No, I was wrong time. the first time. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But maybe right in getting out. Geez, it'd be heavy for you if they did win and you were wrong a second time. <laughs> I've got another quick story on what happened when I didn't write a thesis though. Okay. I bought Galaxy, the lithium producer, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, ages ago, like way back in uni. And I just couldn't remember why I bought it. And like I didn't <laughs> I didn't pay enough attention to it. Probably because you saw all the hype around lithium. I think so, but I didn't write anything down. And I then started suffering. It, it started sliding a couple of years ago significantly and I was like burning cash. Mm. And at the time, it was just at the start. I think I sold just at the start of the real lithium boom. And oh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, real lithium boom. But I didn't write anything down. So I just had in my mind, I'm like, I actually can't remember why I bought this. Is this even the lithium leader? I probably could have done more research. You probably could have. Yeah, yeah probably could have done more research. But <laughs> So did you sell? Yeah, I sold. Oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> How much has it gone up since? Well, I think it's merged. Like I can't actually find a share price for it. I, re- I re- remember at the time it, and I cl- it sold it and then two days later it's like up 10%, uh, up yeah, 3%, yeah, yeah. But up you can't, 5%. But you can't kick yourself for that. No, like no. that, but the lesson that is, is gonna happen. if yeah. I had written down it's, it's, you know, a thesis around lithium, yeah. And yeah. why it's a good producer and yeah, yeah, yeah. probably wouldn't have sold. Yeah. But anyway, anyway. I, I digress. So I guess that's a uh, real uh, rabbit hole, which we said we weren't going to go down. But I think those stories are illuminating. But in terms of how often you should re- revisit it, you need to have a system that works for you. You should try and commit to a periodic review. I should really be doing it quarterly properly as part of when I actually check my portfolio and how it's all performing. But yeah, I think I think the main thing is if you're, you know, a weekly operator and you love checking your stocks all the time, like you can check it weekly. I would say that probably causes a bit of unnecessary stress. Yeah. Like these, uh, most theses will be long-term and so you should get into a routine of checking them, not long, you know, checking them periodically, but enough to give yourself some time to breathe for the companies to develop, 
Because you've got to remember that share prices might change quickly, but companies change slowly. Yeah. Think about how long it takes at your work to get projects up and to get new initiatives underway and to hire new people. Your investing thesis will take a while to play out inside the actual company. Mm. All right, so we're revisiting it and we're reading through it and what we're really trying to understand is whether or not the thesis is broken because mm. if it's broken, then there's a few steps that you should certainly consider. So I guess the question is, how do I know if my thesis is broken? Great question. Thank you again. Again. <laughs> you keep asking these questions um, and then getting me to do it. So why don't you answer this one? Okay. How do I know if my thesis is broken? Well, in the, the situation and example that I, that I just gave ran around self-wealth, uh, you know it's broken if you're wrong. I mean, um, you made a statement, you put it down on paper, and if that statement is no longer holds true or is wrong, you don't believe it anymore, your thesis is broken. Yeah. Now, that could be you were wrong about what the company was going to do, how well uh, whatever the company is doing was going to go. Uh, you could have been wrong about key management adding value to the business or being good or whatever, like – there's so many things you can be wrong about. That's why it's really important that you write down all of your assumptions or mm. all of your views in the original thesis so you can really go back and be like, does that still hold? Does that not hold? Mm. There's one thing uh, that I would say it doesn't matter if you're wrong about and that's the price. At the time or uh, just in well, general? Like even today. So let's say, you know, you bought Afterpay at 10 bucks. And you're like, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna take market share. It's gonna go to the states and be super successful. Blah blah blah. All of that stuff. You're looking at that, and you're like, well, this still all holds. They are still taking market share from credit card companies around the world. They're still bigger than all their competitors. They're still growing faster than their competitors. They've gone to the states. Wow, I'm a genius. I said all of that, and I was right. Give myself a pat on the back. But I look at the share price, and I bought it at ten, and now it's at five. That doesn't mean your thesis is broken. Yeah, yeah. So your thesis isn't broken if the share price has fallen and your thesis hasn't been proven correct if the share price is up. And the reason for that is that markets are irrational. Like, you know, it's all about psychology and news and short term and there's so there's so many reasons why share prices move. It's like that's not going to be a true indication of whether you were right or not in the short term. And if you think about why you're buying any share, any individual share, you're saying, I think the market is wrong about this stock. I think the prospects for this stock are better than what the market is saying. So at that time, the assumption is that the market doesn't have the price right. You're buying it because you think the price will go up. It doesn't make sense to think that when you bought it, the stock was mispriced, but when you're reviewing it, the stock is correctly priced. Like the market is constantly going to be moving prices up and down, getting prices wrong, not understanding companies properly, not seeing what you're seeing, seeing more than you're seeing. Like you can't just look at the price and say I was right or I was wrong. Mm. Scratch the price, look at the company. Mm. So a thesis may become invalid as well or in for a number of other reasons which you did touch on there but, you know, if there's been a change in management – if the prices of some of the key inputs that go into the business are changing and therefore, you know, it's going to change how much profit they make or the cost of doing business, you know, market demand is no longer there. Some of their products have turned out to be failures. All those sorts of things uh, you need to take into consideration and can impact your thesis. 
to make it invalid. But I think the key is uh, you're not going to know any of that if you don't have a thesis. Yeah, and if you're not, and if you're not reviewing as well, and if you're not reviewing. But I think you know this can all be a bit dense. Let's play a game to sort of illustrate this point. We'll throw out a few theses, give a scenario, and we'll talk about whether the thesis is broken or not. Before we do. The investment thesis for Equity Mates relies on sponsorship revenue. <laughs> so let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. All right, Ren, it's time to play Is My Thesis Broken? We've got a few examples here of uh, theses that we've made up uh, for some of the well-known companies here in Australia and around the world. And we're going to discuss whether or not the thesis has been broken. So let's kick off. Just in case people invest in these stocks, some of these facts have been completely made up. Yeah, this is... So we're not we're not saying that... This has happened. This has happened. Yeah, it's an example. Yeah. It's a game. It's a game. Yeah, it's but not real. Yeah. All right, so let's kick off. Fortescue is the lowest cost iron ore producer in the world, meaning it will be best able to withstand price cuts in the falling market. That's your thesis. That's the thesis. The uh, Upon revision, we find out that BHP overtakes Fortescue as the lowest cost iron ore producer in the world. Is my thesis broken? Yes. It's broken. Yeah. Yes. If you're investing because of a fact and that fact is no longer true, Ow. broken. What do we got? What's the next? All right. So my thesis, uh, Apple is leveraging its dominance in consumer electronics, phones, computers, you get it, uh, to grow a meaningful recurring revenue stream from services. That's the thesis. And then uh, upon review, uh, I'm reading the news and I find out Alphabet, aka Google, has announced a similar services business for their Android network. Is my thesis broken? No. Why? But Google are doing it as well. Google are doing it. They're doing it for their Android network. Apple um, are doing it for their iOS network. Mm. So uh, Apple can continue to leverage its products and dominance in its space to uh, build its recurring revenue stream. Yes, there's going to be competition from Apple, uh, from Alphabet. Well, I think the key thing with this thesis is like, you're looking at the world of Apple users and mm. you're saying Apple's going to extract a whole bunch more money from this world of users by making them all sign up to monthly mm. Apple TV and Apple gaming, Apple Arcade and all that subscriptions. Google doing that over there doesn't really affect this world that my thesis is based on, which is existing Apple users. Mm. Yeah. Next one. Afterpay is the fastest growing buy now, pay later in America where credit card penetration remains high and will capture most market share as customers transition from credit cards to buy now, pay later. Okay, that was your thesis. That was my back thesis in back in the day. Yeah, wait, back in the day, it, uh, yes, anyway, without going into detail. <laughs> then Square acquires Afterpay. Is my thesis broken? Great. Oh, this, is a, this is a tough one because it's the thesis around Afterpay isn't broken. Yes, like, it's still going to th- be. Everything you've said about Afterpay can still be true but you don't have the option to invest just in Afterpay Mm. anymore. So in a way, yes, because you can't just invest in that business. If you want to invest, you now have to invest in the much bigger Square business. So you've got to sort of start from Square One, pun intended, and be like, all right, Afterpay might be, you know, a third of Square's total business, but let's I need to now understand the other two-thirds and look at 
their, you know, white card readers that you see at local cafes and their business banking and their cash app over in the US and, like, all this other stuff. So your thesis didn't break. You could have been completely right, but you kind of got to start again. Yeah. Let's stay in the States. Uh, Tesla has announced it's going to move into electric delivery vans and I have a view that electric delivery vans could be a trillion-dollar business. Nice. A lot of deliveries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's the thesis. However, it's been four years since they first announced electric delivery vans and they've made no progress, but they keep talking about it. Tough. Is my thesis broken? No. Uh, I mean, there's no reason that your view could has changed from it being a trillion-dollar business and if they keep saying that they're going to be moving into that space, then your thesis hasn't been broken. Even though they're not delivering on anything, but they keep talking about it, it might eventually come true. Yeah, yeah. So you've just got to be patient yeah. and make a call at some point. If it's 20 years down the track, you're like, all right, Elon. Well, there is, there is a, there's like, there's a time value of money. You yeah. know, like if you're investing in something and waiting and waiting and waiting, that money could have been invested in other things that you don't have to wait for that do grow. So like that's an important consideration For me, I would say the key thing here is if a company has told you they're going to do something big and they keep delaying it or for whatever reason you don't see it happening, the really important thing is to look at what else is going on because have competitors got a head start on them in that time or has the market changed and, and, you know, this electric delivery van no longer makes sense because hydrogen trucks are going to, you know, take over instead like... Even if nothing actually changes with the company or with the investment you've made, time can change things because things are constantly changing around the company. So it, I think this is a push. Like it might be broken or it might not be broken. Mm. The other thing is like do you trust management if they just keep promising something and they never deliver? Mm. Yeah. Next one, Equitymates has a billion dollars of cash and investments on its balance sheet, yet it has a market cap of just $700 million. Then the share price doubles to give it a market cap of $1.4 billion. So your investment thesis here was it was a value investment thesis. It was a classic Warren Buff, Buffett, Benjamin Graham style. The company is undervalued because it's, it has a billion dollars of cash but it's trading for less than that. Then the share price went up and it's trading for more than that. So, yeah, your investment th- – you were right. You were 100% right but the investment thesis played out. It's no longer undervalued based mm. on the amount of cash it's got. Mm. So you were done. right, but it's not broken, but it's done. Yeah. Also, it would be nice if we had a billion dollars on the balance sheet. Very nice. Yeah. Next one, I believe that Canva could take 25% of the professional designer market from Adobe's Photoshop. That's the investment thesis. Canva isn't quite public yet, but God, it'll be nice when it is. Then I review and I see that it's actually already captured a third of the professional designer market. Nice for Canva. For me, this would be a, a revision of, well, how much more can it take? Yeah. If it's taken, if you thought it would take twenty five percent, and it's taken thirty three, great. Well, your investment, your thesis was proven correct, but uh, now take it as an opportunity to say, well, can it take fifty percent? Yeah. And if you don't believe that, then you probably review whether or not you sell. But if you do, then go for it. I mean, you were wrong, but you were wrong in a really pleasing way. Yeah. You underestimated the company, and it overshot the expect your expectations. So now the question is, will it keep overshooting or is is the thesis done? Mm. Yeah. I bought Commonwealth Bank because it was paying a 6% dividend. They then announced they were cutting their dividend. 
bump, bump, yeah. heavy for you. Thesis is broken. Done. Yeah. <laughs> this last one I included as a joke. Coinbase is, <laughs> Coinbase is showing a doji candlestick pattern. Then it shows a harami cross candlestick. Look, a lot of jargon there. And that's um, that, that for people that look at charts and, you know, draw patterns on charts and trade based on that, that those terms make sense. They honestly don't make sense to me, but uh, I just thought it was funny. Yeah. Good one. <laughs> So I think this leads to one final question, Ren. I've written my thesis. I've reviewed it. I may have been proven wrong and the thesis is broken. That then begs the question, what to do now? Sell. Nice. I mean, it's really as simple as that. Like people will find so many reasons to justify holding something because they've fallen in love with it or because they don't want to sell it or because they've lost money on it and they don't want to realise that loss, they would rather get it back to even and then sell it. Suck all that from your mind. If you were wrong about something, cut your losses, start again. Yeah. Sell. Easy. Yeah. Nice. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode today. A reminder, firstly, that if you enjoyed this content, uh, there's plenty more of it in the Get Started Investing book. So uh, head to a book retailer to grab that. Uh, And we are closing it out next week, Ren, with uh, the third installment of Building a Thesis where we're going to be pulling it all together uh, and looking at a bit more detail around some of the things that go into building a thesis. We'll talk about valuation and... uh, And and importantly, where you can find all this information. and, And where you can find all of this info. So it's been an absolute pleasure, a really fun episode. If you're uh, enjoying our content, we would love a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Every podcast host says it, we always say it, but it really does make a difference when it comes to putting the podcast in front of new listeners. Uh, We pump out this content for free and we would really appreciate a five-star and a review where you can. So thank you for joining us. Or just tell a mate about us. Or tell a mate about you, yeah, and get them to review it as well. Yeah. So look, it's an absolute (laughs) pleasure chatting stocks with you as always, Ren, and uh, looking forward to closing this one out next week. Sounds good. Get Started Investing is a product of Equity Bates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Get Started Investing are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Get Started Investing acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.